Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And a warning that this program may contain audio descriptions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who have passed on. January 26th is a day of mourning for First Nations people, also known as Invasion Day or Survival Day. And it's a day of mourning, and not only is it a day of mourning, but this year is particularly significant as well. And as well as um, this day being about dispossession, colonisation and genocide. The day is of particular significance as it marks the 50th anniversary of the Aboriginal Tent Embassy, which was established on the lawns of what is now Old Parliament House on the date that marks the invasion in 1972. And the ongoing Tent Embassy action was sparked by then Australian Prime Minister Billy McMahon announcing on Invasion Day Eve that his government would not be recognising Aboriginal land rights, but rather it would be establishing a system of 50-year leases. And there was plenty of excellent coverage about that on the actual day by 3CR, but today I'll be bringing you something a little bit different. I'll be bringing you a special broadcast about Invasion Day with a report back of some of the events that happened over the country. I'll be bringing you some interviews with three very powerful and strong First Nations women. First up, we'll be speaking with Auntie Megan Cracker from the National Suicide Prevention and Trauma Project about Invasion Day, Aboriginal youth and deaths in custody. Of course, suicide prevention will be a part of this discussion. Listeners may recall that Auntie Megan was there when we spoke with one of the relatives of, um, of JC who died in custody. Next, we'll speak with Lizzie Jarrett from Istra, Sydney, about Invasion Day and the protest that happened on 26 Jan January and the pandemic. The work of Uncle Ray Jackson, Jackson, warrior activist and founder of Istra, Sydney, will also be talked about given his prominent role and commitment to addressing things around Invasion Day, not to mention that he was also a feminist. And then we will cross over to Victoria and speak with Leanne Carter from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service about Invasion Day. And she's done a lot of work in, as well about Aboriginal deaths in custody. So pretty soon, shortly, we'll be speaking with Auntie Megan. Get your radical summer attire sorted. New stock of 3CR Radical Radio Tees has just landed featuring the iconic antenna design by artist Emily Floyd. As well as our basic black, we have a range of great pastel and primary colours in a variety of sizes. And for those radical little people, we have a short run of kids' tees available too. For just $30 for adults or $20 for kids, you can get yourself a local, ethically manufactured and printed tee that supports radical community radio. We can send one out in the post... And there's Click and Collect from our studios at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or if you're fully vaxxed, you can drop in and browse our T-shirt rack during business hours. To purchase online, go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. And if you're just 
tuned into the Do and Time show. This is Three Community Radio, and we will now speak with Auntie Megan. Hello, Auntie. Welcome to the program. Hey, my darling. How are you? Lovely to speak with you again. I, I believe we had an interview last time with you and Jerry, didn't we? We did. We always come on and enjoy speaking with yourselves. It's amazing. I love talking to you too. And you're in Western Australia, aren't you? Yeah, good old Perth here, and it's been lovely and hot over this way, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, Can you start off just by telling us what land you're from? Noongar country. Beautiful. So in Noongar, in Noongar Nation, there's about 40,000 Noongar people. In that, there's 14 different tribal groups. And where I am right now is Wajak country. Thank you so much. That, that's great. You're it's welcome. always good to, you know, to let people know whereabouts on country people are. Oh. A hundred percent, and, you know, we're very close to be doing this. Well, I'm really happy to be doing this with you. Thank you. Now, let's talk about the project, first of all. Can, can you talk a little bit about um, the, the project that you're involved in, just a bit of an intro? Sure, not a problem. So, um, it's the National Suicide Prevention Trauma Recovery Project. I work alongside a Jerry Gordatis. We work with the most vulnerable and marginalised people right across across the nation. Within a two-year period, Jerry and I supported about 20,000 people. Um, we've come across child sexual abuse, um, providing support to suicide-affected families, incarceration, death in custody, child removal, and we very much um, take the fight to government. We use media. We basically do what we can to galvanise outcomes of families that we're representing or that we're working with. For example, Denisha Woods, the little girl that was electrocuted in a public house over in Belden. Um, basically, we had to take the fight to government, of course, with Mum Lacey. Um, it got to the point where there was a purpose-built house that we managed to negotiate, also a car, and also a $1 million um, excursion payment that's still ongoing. Um, Samantha Wilson, she lost a little girl, 11 years old, of suicide over in Perth. Again, there were some bail laws that changed as a result of her coming out in the media and really speaking strongly about the failures. Um, and there's a number of other things that we do, both forefronts and centred are always the families and it's always about galvanising outcomes, whether it's in the media or whether it's not. Incarceration, we're totally across that. Work up at Acacia Prison, which is um, a prison for 1,500 gentlemen. Um, up at Acacia Prison, there are three deaths in custody, two with suicide and one um, unnatural death, so it's dead. Um, when we'd gone, myself, Jerry and Connie, we'd started working there. Was, there were 33 self-harms that come off the back of three Aboriginal years old, just in custody. We'd taken the self-harms down from 33 to three within one quarter. And we didn't do anything special otherwise, other than just going into units and their DUs and just showing that love and that care and respect and validating the trauma. So we're across many things, but as mentioned, it's always about the families and they're always centred. Absolutely. It's, it's very true. So there's been, you know, child suicide, there's been deaths in custody. You've mentioned quite a lot of stuff here. Mm. How do you think we can connect this to Invasion Day? And I believe this year has been particularly significant, hasn't it? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's the original sin. There's the decimation of, through the decimation, the intergenerational trauma, and the link from the decimation or the original sin to currently where we are today, it has been continuous. Child removal, um, the homelessness, if it's all connected. So right now in Western Australia and very much across the nation, there's 23,000 black kids in care. By the time it's 2030, we're um, estimating that there'll be 50,000 black kids in care. In terms of incarceration, there's 115 prisons right across the nation. Of that, there's 17 juvenile detention centres. And Banksley Hill, which is over in Western Australia, the only juvenile detention centre, there's currently a class action on that. So we've um, entered into a, an incredible relationship with Stuart Levitt and his daughter Dana um, over in Sydney. They're the lawyers for the Palm Island case, where they won $30 million. They're the same lawyers over here. So in terms of the, the connection, it is very real. And what we're saying is that there is a disconnect between the haves and the have-nots. And we very much see the issue around the classism, racism and sexism, things that still very exist. But what I'm also saying at the coalface, on the streets, in the homes, fighting, in the hospitals, 
is that there's a lack of care and you can see some very discriminatory and racist practices that our people are being subjected to and that's why we come back and fight. That's exactly right. And would you agree, Auntie, that, you know, women and children are often the casualties of all this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a there's a lot of women that, that are doing it tough. I've been in that many houses where women are suffering on their own in silence, whether it be child sexual abuse, whether it be domestic violence, whether they've just suffered um, a loss in terms of the suicide. And what I'm finding is that a lot of our mobs, you know, even myself in so many respects, is that there's so much unaddressed trauma and by the time we're trying to get over one thing, there's another death or another death or another death and they're always trying to play catch-up. But at the same time, that really hurts us and therefore it makes it really quite problematic in terms of, you know, really trying to overcome some of the challenges that we have. So, for example, if you've got some some, some addressed trauma, let me start again. If there's some oh, trauma in a person's yeah. life... Yeah. The, the goal is to not make it a life management issue. Yeah. So, therefore, it needs to be validated. Before you can validate, you can disable. So, if we're going in the context of the Australia Day, yeah. the mere fact that it is held on the 26th, what kind of validation is that giving to the Aboriginal people that fight against it? And even our non-Indigenous brothers and sisters, to disable, you need to validate. The Australian government, whether the Western Australian government or... Um, the Commonwealth are not yeah. doing that and therefore we'll just keep fighting and keep coming out and each year you can see right across the nation it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and that comes to that education and awareness. I'm just really glad that you were able to come on and share it because I just feel that, you know, it's very important work that you do there. We we have a go, you know. Basically it's very much it's, it's humanistic, it's caring, it's kind. It's loving, it's never thinking you're too good for the brothers and sisters, period. Because if you do that, you might as well just hang your boots up and not turn around and do the work that we're doing. That's the reality. What's concerning also, darling, is where you are in Victoria. There has been a 75% spot of Indigenous people that have taken their lives. How much is that? 75%. 75% of people that have, Indigenous people that have taken their lives within a one-year period of 75%. Now, that is concerning. Now, that is the report that came out with the coroner's office recently, um, within weeks. And it's just very much happening right across the nation, but 75% in one year. This is our family. It's disgusting. And one thing that I do know is that right across the nation within a three-year period, there's been 10,000 people that have taken their lives, black, white and brown. So we're all connected one way by suicide, whether directly or indirectly, it hurts us. So these are some of the problems that we're having. And until we get some kind of real tangible action and keep calling out the government, basically the black lives in government recognise that this is an issue, understand the deficit discourse, we're not going to get change. And that's why Jerry Gilgardis is running as an independent senator in Western Australia. Yes, yeah, he's, he's written some great stuff too, Megan. Yeah, yeah, no, he's an amazing person. I've worked with Jerry for over five years now, and, you know, I was working with the Royal Commission into, um, into institutional response to child sexual abuse and I was in Kananara with a couple of colleagues and Jerry was up in Kananara responding to three suicides and that's when we first came into contact but he's a great humanitarian and basically he fought a good fight long as we all do. And the pandemic has obviously played a role in all this hasn't it? I, I believe it has. I mean even at the rally last on, on Wednesday, where we had some incredible talent in terms of performers and we had some young people speak, and even some little, little 10-year-olds speak. It was just incredible. But last year they had about 10,000. This year there was about three or 4,000. But even when we went down to the Bureau concert afterwards, and that's where the march ends up because it went from 10 to 2, and then went, to the, went on to a march, and then 3 o'clock down to the Bureau Festival, which is on the foreshore, they were down in numbers there as well, and even a lot of the non-Indigenous people in terms of fireworks, that was down on numbers. 
So the pandemic is definitely having some influence. And not to mention that it's been very under-resourced um, in terms of um, having equal vac- you know, vaccinations for everybody. Oh, 100%. I mean, I've got to ask the question, and how serious is the government of Western Australia about the vaccination when they still have our people and some of the most marginalised and vulnerable dying on the streets? When they still have 17,000 families on the wait list, equating to 44,000 people homeless, they're houseless, and we boast a $5 billion um, surplus. So, you know, we've got people sleeping on the streets, and some dear souls rest in peace dying on the streets. You know, that's an indictment of the West Australian government, particularly to come out and boast this $5 billion surplus when some of our poor brothers and sisters are dying on the streets. It makes no sense, and therefore we will um, take the fight the government every single day of the week we can to address this issue, because if we don't, who's going to? That's right, and I'm so glad you mentioned the rally, because, look, our rally in Victoria was cancelled due to the pandemic. Mm. Our cases here are very, very high. Yeah, no, I've heard that. Well, the thing about we were meant to open our borders up on the 5th yeah. of February, um, but the Premier decided not to open them up. I'm not sure when it's being opened up, so a lot of us are still walking around like everything's very normal over here. Um, there are pubs and different places that you can't go into unless you've had the double back. But other than that, everyone's just doing doing everything pretty normal, if I can be honest. Yeah. Arnie Megan, thank you so much for coming onto the program. I mean, you've you've really made my day, to be honest. Like, I, I really am so happy that you could come on. No, you know what? It's always beautiful to for you to take out the voices of people right across the nation because without people like yourself, darling, our stories don't get told and our battle and the struggles. Yep, and let's let's give a shout-out to our brothers and sisters inside as well, isn't it? Oh, 100%. I mean, the, the gentleman that I worked up with in prison actually felt really safe up there. I mean, got a lot of family and a lot of people that I know. But in a prison of 1,500 people, gentlemen, I'd go and watch a footy on the weekends, when it's been Christmas Day up there, and one of the fellas reckon, hey, how yeah. come you're not with your family today? I said, well, I am, in, I am with family. You fellas are in prison, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so right. no, we're just, just spreading the love and basically showing people that you care. And that's the thing, you need to be able to sit with people um, and just talk. Listen, yes. validate, and disciple. But of For course, sure. And they deserve that respect and that love. That's right. Thanks a lot, Arnie Megan. And we'll, Thank we'll, you, we'll, be, we'll be in touch. You're, you're a legend. Thank you, darling. Really appreciate it. Take care. Okay. See you, Marissa. Bye. Hi, we're the Marindas, and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM. If you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 500. That's 1300-111-500. Wellways supports 3CR. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live.
king's speech Dictions of ambition must believe Hey future keep a solid vision on me Native lingo, history is skin deep My only sin was the color of my skin So I'm a sin to pride Emancipate mental slavery And they said we were failing time Showed them up, we stood the test of time Time, I blame it on time But regain it on time So I claim it on time uh. Put soul in this image This is music for the free spirit Inspiration for those who really need it Not those who listen but those who really feel it Songs of our time Teachers of our story Let it be written in the maze The survival of a culture is the reason that we made it Yeah on the inside is an iconic new podcast series that gives voice to the experience of First Nations people in the Victorian prison system. 20 years on the inside, I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcast. 20 Years on the Inside is essential listening for anyone looking to educate themselves about the realities of life on the inside and the need to end Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incarceration. A lot of the boys mentioned about being in jail. What you do really isn't who you are. You know, it's how you love your family, it's how you care about your cousins, and it's how you care about your people. That's what, that's what this is about for me. Catch the podcast via the 3CR website or on your favourite podcast app. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And that song was called Freedom by Mill Power. And... 
we're just keep we we're trying we we're actually trying Lizzie. We haven't been able to get on to her to our second interview. And it's a bit unfortunate. I would have loved to have spoken with her, but sometimes people just aren't available. I'm not sure what's happened there. But we'll keep trying. Otherwise, we will speak with um, with Leanne Carter later on from Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. This is the Do and Time Show, a special broadcast on Invasion Day. And just a little a little note there that um, in case we don't get on to Aunty Lizzie, they did have um, a protest in Sydney. The Victorian one was cancelled, but the one in, in Sydney, I was speaking to Lizzie off air, and she was just saying today that not one person has had coronavirus from that protest, that thousands of people marched during that protest in Sydney, and um, there's been, it was very COVID safe with masks and sanitizer, and, you know, it was it, it actually went very well. And just also wanting to... Remember Ray Jackson as well. I'll be do- we'll be doing a memorial in April, um, as usual, to mark um, his passing and celebrating his work. And Sam Watson was also part of Invasion Day as well. Um, Uncle Sam Watson from Queensland and, and Uncle Ray Jackson um, have have been very very instrumental in addressing um, the issues arising from Invasion Day. Those being colonisation dispossession and genocide. So it may also be almost time now to speak with Leanne Carter and I I believe we'll be bringing you um, a few announcements. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, on digital and online, 3CR Radical Radio. Yarra City Arts presents Music in Exile at Fairfield Amphitheatre, Sunday, February 6th, featuring renowned newer-speaking musician Gordon Koang, hip-hop soul singer Elsie Wameo, and East African sensations Chick Chika. Come along from 5.30 to 8pm for a Sunday evening Yarra staycation with great vibes, dancing and picnics by the Yarra River. For all Yarra staycation events, visit yarracity.vic.gov.au slash rediscover. Yarra City Arts is a 3CR supporter. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done By Law, 6pm Tuesdays. Would you like to get involved in the decision-making process at 3CR? Nominations are now open in 3CR's Community Radio Federation elections. You can stand as a subscriber representative and have valuable input into the programming and future direction of this diverse and dynamic radio station. Nominations are due by Wednesday the 16th of February at 5pm. For more information, contact 3CR Station Manager on 94198377 or download the nomination form from the 3CR website 3cr.org.au forward slash people. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we're going to be speaking now with Leanne Carter from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. And um, she's a Wiradjuri and Noongar woman and parent of four kids, four children. And she's worked at VEL since 2011 and is a statewide community justice program leader. And Leanne manages such community programs as the VELS Custody Notification Service. We've had her on quite a few times, and I've been very honoured to speak with her about her work um, to do with Aboriginal deaths in custody. And she's also recently been um, on the board of, of Mental Health Victoria. But today is going to be a little bit different. I mean, our brothers, brothers are just as important as, as sisters, but 
Today I've been trying to highlight strong First Nations women and their work um, and to talk about Invasion Day. And I'd like to welcome Leanne to the program and, and, um, and hello. <laughs> Good afternoon. Good. It's so lovely to have you, Leanne. Thank you. Now, Leanne, I'm wondering, could you just talk about Invasion Day and what, it, what you think it's about? Oh, I know. I I only say because I know around you know this particular time of the year it's really difficult for our mob, um, especially online. You know, polar racism seems to ramp up and things like that, and you know it creates a lot of discussion. But you know, um, Invasion Day, obviously, you know, whilst we can acknowledge, you know, it's a celebration and that, but. For all us, it's a celebration of our ongoing survival, you know, despite the fact that this country's, you know, attempt, attempt, you know, to exclude and, you know, introduce racist policies and simulate and segregate our mob. So, you know, I think it, you know, for a lot of us, it marks a day of mourning and sorrow and loss and grief and, you know, and, but, and in saying that, you know, I think we've got to recognise that, you know, um, that loss and that grief comes from the continuing impact of, you know, the policies and the over-policing and death in custody and our incarceration rates and, you know, all these other sorts of things that are, you know, contributing to, um, you know, to our poor health and our life expectancy rates and, you know, the ongoing systemic racism. So, But it also marks our survival, which... I think is a real sign of strength in us to show that, you know, we're still here. You know, we're going to be here for a long time and we're going to continue to be here. So you can't silence us. So I think, you know, whilst whilst acknowledging all of these things, you know, there is a real strength in our community as well. Absolutely. You know, Leanne, I wanted to ask you something, and I've been thinking about this, over the last couple of days, in particular when I was sitting down, um, you know, listening to the 3CR broadcast about the 10 embassy. Yep. What do you look? I know you, you you're working. Obviously, you've got a you've got a, a paid role, and sometimes we've got to be careful what we say on air, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, true, true, true. <laughs> but what do you think? Like, do, do we really have to be? polite all the time you know like I think the First Nations people are always expected to be polite and compliant and you know don't offend you know what's what's that all about do you think absolutely absolutely I've I've actually um, been engaged in a lot of discussions around this and you know what what I do find is when when our mob speak up when our community speak up we're seen as angry we're seen as aggressive what we're not seeing, you know, as is passionate, passionate and resilient. You know what I mean? And, you know, and we are, you know, obviously within our roles limited to what we can and can't say. And I think it, it can be a really frustrating thing at times, you know. So the way I, you know, I always try to approach it is in an educative way. But obviously, you know, people are like, well, our oh, youth followers will just go away. You won't be talking about this for the rest of the year. You know, we don't hear nothing about it. The only time we hear you speak up is around Invasion Day. And I said, no, that's not true. The reality is, is that our voices are quite often silenced and not heard. And the reason for that is because a lot of people don't want to listen. And we know that, you know, when we're talking about Invasion Day, Right. And, you know, even the contention around whether or not it should be called Invasion Day. We know that the systemic racism is so prevalent, right, and people don't actually see that they're benefiting from it, you know. And as much as you want to continue to ignore that, we're going to continue to raise our voices. We're going to continue to speak up. It's not that we're angry. Well, yeah, I suppose we are a little bit angry, but we're passionate. We're very, very passionate, and, and it'd be like anyone if we came in and took something so precious from you, or we hurt you, or we, you know, we created a situation that created so much trauma in your life for generations to come. You can't say that you wouldn't be, 
you know, ignited with some passion and with some anger and with some drive to continue. And that's why the tent embassy, as we know, was set up and that's continues right. as long as, you know, as the longest public protest today. Who, who would have ever fought back to that very moment, right, going back? Yeah. Who would have ever fought back when, you know, our mob, them forefathers that sat under that beach umbrella, right? Yeah. How much fear they would have created. Oh, <laughs> it, it's it's an interesting symbol, isn't it? A beach umbrella. Think about it. Four fellas sitting under a beach umbrella. Yeah, we're it's, intimidating. Very intimidating. And and this is the thing. This is what I worry about, in particular with you know our young people, the young people coming through. Yeah. And you know, being taught that you know assimilation. Like it's, I'm not saying that people shouldn't have an education. It's, yep. it's very important to be educated. But it seems to me that, you know, going back historically, you know, through to, from the mission days to here, and a lot of people now are educated, which is good, you know. Um, but what I'm saying is it's good to be polite, but it's also good and diplomatic. But we have to work out a way to, to express anger. That's correct. And... It's also, we also need to amplify our voices. So those that are saying that they are allies, that they do support us, need to amplify our voices and give us the platforms and the opportunities to speak out also. And non-Indigenous too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was a recent, um, there was some recent study, uh, I think it was just over 1,200 people that were interviewed. And interestingly enough, it didn't, didn't surprise me the outcome of it. You know, they were saying how um, men were less likely to support the change. Um, women, you know, were more likely to go along with it. It came down to the issue of, you know, um, like Invasion Day being on a public holiday. But the biggest supporters for the changes were the young people, were the young people. And I think that that in itself speaks a lot. I'm so glad you mentioned that about young people. It's so yep. important. Absolutely. And They're our future generation as well. They are. And Leanne, you've also had a background in case management, haven't you, in particular working with clients with complex needs and disabilities. Imagine mm. being black and disabled. Well, that's um, unfortunately we do find that a lot of people we uh, deal with in custody do have complex needs or comorbidity. So we might have someone, um, for example, that may have some health issues, but they've got mental health issues. And then on top of that, they, you know, they may have some um, family violence going on and they may be homeless on top of it. The complexity of those matters, you know, particularly of someone that's in custody or even not in custody, and trying to access services can be extremely difficult as well. And, you know, um, last week, I don't know if you've seen it, but the Coroner's Court of Victoria released their most recent report. Really? And Yes, and it's the third report that they've done since they've changed some of the practice and protocols within the Coroner's Court. And this particular, um, you know, this particular report concerningly actually showed that there's been a 75 percent increase of Aboriginal suicides in the last 12 months, which is not related to the pandemic. Wow. And when they broke that down, um, you know, they were, they were talking about homelessness, um, you know, family violence, domestic violence, you know, um, people being in situations that they can't escape. But the biggest driver as well was that, you know, in each of these situations that they um, investigated, they found that, you know, it was more than likely that the person had had contact with the criminal justice system. Um, you know, they pointed out that there was a lack of services in particular of drug and alcohol within regional areas. And when you think about, you know, and of those numbers and those investigations, we they were two young people under the age of 18. And when we're talking about young people and the complexity of the issues that they're quite often faced with, if they're not within, you know, the care system already, it, it's, you know, just the fact that they're able to stand up and use their voice is just amazing in itself. 
It really is amazing. And actually, yes, um, Arnie Megan, yeah, I do know about that report. I correct myself. Arnie Megan was talking about that from WA, and I'm glad you expanded on that. Yeah, and, you know, and when we were talking about, you know, um, Invasion Day and Survival Day, and, you know, we're talking about all those underlying, all those underlying issues, you know, one of the biggest things we tend to hear constantly and more recently by somebody perhaps who was stung by a wasp, um, we're consistently told to get over it. Yeah. Don't play the victim. Get over it. I didn't have anything to do with it. It wasn't me. Oh, no, that was, you know, that was a long time ago. And as I said, systemic racism is so prevalent that people just don't actually realise. All they do is that they're benefiting from it, but they continue to ignore it, you know. And I think, you know, what what was exciting was to see so many people, and obviously not in Melbourne because of COVID restrictions and wanting to keep mobs safe, that we didn't have our annual march, but so many people attended all the marches, you know, within the other states and things like that, and particularly, you know, within the ACT for the um, 10 embassy, and, um, you know, which was pretty exciting to see as well. Absolutely. And, and, and of course, we, we know as well that Aboriginal people die a lot younger than non-Indigenous. Yep. And, you know, um, I, I've done a few interviews, you know, probably over the last 12 months in relation to um, lowering the age care pension, um, the age around that. Yep. And, you know, that specifically goes back to, you know, the fact that the government's also failed to, you know, meet, meet um, you know, the requirements under closing the gap. And, you know, they've had years and years to, you know, to get this together, but, you know, when, when we're look, talking about, you know, um, life expectancy rates and that, they're so poor. They're absolutely so poor. And, you know, I know that The Guardian, you know, they were looking at the fact that we've had over 500 deaths in custody, you know, since the Royal Commission. And, you know, and then the age was, you know, the age news um, paper came out and said, you know, um, Aboriginal women were 20 times more likely to be jailed than non-Indigenous women, which we knew... Um, and we know that, you know, the imprisonment rates doubled within Victoria within the last decade. But, you know, one of the most recent studies that The Guardian have actually done is they've been looking at all the cases of people who have died in custody. And it was there's an 18-year disparity between, you know, the ages, the average age of someone dying in custody around 40 for our mob and 58 for somebody, you know, um, a non-Indigenous person. Now, when you think about that, that's, you know, that's our mob going, you know, in, firstly into custody at a much younger age, right, but all being equal, you know, you think that people going into custody would be, younger people would be much more healthy and things like that. But what they actually did find was that because mob had been treated so bad and, you know, haven't been given proper medical treatment, and, you know, policies and procedures went forward and things like that, that has contributed to the deaths in custody. And they also found, you know, that the institutions like the police and prisons and, you know, hospitals, for example, they failed on 43% of those cases to actually follow their own policies and procedures where people have died in custody. And that's really sad that you think we still have people dying in custody and not receiving proper medical care. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. And, you know, dare I mention um, Arnie Tanya Day, whose anniversary yep. of her death was in December. And look what That's happened happy. with her. That's, that was definitely should have been treated as a health issue, the, the incident that happened on the, the train at Castlemaine. Yep. And, you know, when you, when you think of people going into custody, to some extent you think, oh... Okay, um, you know, they're getting looked after, which is why our client notification system is obviously so important. But we also know that, you know, um, people are, our mob um, in particular, are three times more likely um, yes. not to receive, you know, to die in custody by not receiving proper medical care, which is what makes these welfare checks and things like that so important. And, you know, when we think about Ani Tanya Day, for example, and this can happen to anyone. Yeah. You know, uh, you could fall asleep on a train. You may not have a ticket, you know, and 
who would think that not having a ticket or presenting on a train or being a substance affected will result in someone passing away in custody? And that is a classic example. You know, and when, and when we talk about, you know, um, Invasion Day and, you know, like we know with the George, um, you know, with the George uh, Floyd matter in the US, you know, that was a big catalyst and, you know, the momentum, you know, even within Australia, which was great because it actually put a spotlight on what was actually going on here on a much higher level. You know, when when we look at those, you know, situations like, you know, with David Dungay Jr., which is so similar to the Floyd, you know, um, to the Floyd family's uh, loss, you know, it's, it's really disheartening. And, very, you know, very so, disheartening. And what about Veronica Nelson? What wasn't? Do you think? I wonder whether the health system also failed her. Didn't she die in custody in um, Dame Phyllis Frost? We've had a few, unfortunately, that are going through the process of the investigation. We've had more recent ones, sadly. Um, you know, than that particular matter. I, yes. Um, I can't speak directly on that matter, uh, but what. What I can say is, you know, the fact the fact is we're in what, 2022 now and people shouldn't be dying in custody. No, indeed. No. No, indeed. And, and I hope you didn't mind me asking from, you those questions. I know it's a bit confrontational, Leanne. Oh, you know, when we... Obviously, self-care is very important, but when, yes. when we're talking about confrontational, um, you know... The reality is, is these are the situations that we deal with, you know, every day at Valve. And, you know, that's why we're, you know, we're, we work closely with community, make sure, you know, that whatever work we are doing reflects the needs of the community, you know, and it's about amplifying and empowering the voice of our community as well. So, you know, speaking up on these matters whilst they, you know, may be difficult, um, for example, um, they're necessary and they're not going to stop. And, you know, when when we were talking about, you know, about our voices before and our voices not being heard or, you know, we speak up and we're passionate about something and then all of a sudden, you know, we're seen as aggressive and, you know, we're seen as abusive. But, you know, we're simply speaking up for, you know, the ongoing issues. That still exists today from the very time and well before the time that the 10 embassy was set up as well. That's exactly right. And, and in, I wonder too, one of the things that, that is often talked about on, on Invasion Day is, is even about um, that a lot of governments thought of Australia, so-called Australia, as terra nullis and peaceful settlement. That's correct. Yep. Which we know was a lie. And because, you know, we've never ceded our sovereignty, nor have we engaged in any treaty process, ever. That's and right. Yeah, and we know that, you know, part of setting up that 10 embassy, you know, was around land rights and sovereignty and self-determination. However, it's all the systemic racism and the racist policies that, you know, exist to allow that action to be taken to assume it was terra nullius, as we know. The issue of terra nullis comes up. The issue of changing the date comes up. The fact that there's so many people that don't realise that Australia Day didn't even become a public holiday until about, what, um, I don't know, about 1994 or something like that? Yep. Yep. And before um, that, it took them a long time. All the states and territories, as we know, they all had their regatta days or their let's go float a boat days or whatever days they had. And it wasn't unified to a lot you know, a lot later, and this is part of the discussion I've had with someone as well, is that, it, it, you know, it did not become a public holiday until 1994. So we're not talking about, you know, from the first time you assumed that you put your foot in land, stole land, you know, or declared it terra nullis, let's say, for the purposes of um, watching my work um, interview. Um that's, that's like 28 years, and if you think that you can't change that date or, you know, be more inclusive to the, you know, longest-living, you know, culture within the world, then, you know, it's, it's left a lot to be desired. But, you know, today today we've talked about this. In Kasi, we talked about Invasion Day. We've talked about the 10 Embassy. We're talking about the fact that young people are actually starting to take the lead. You, you know what I mean? All these yeah. complex issues, but these are issues that impact on us every single day. So when someone says, get over it, 
you know, we're not going to get over it. We're going to continue to speak up. We're going to continue to be here. And we're going to continue to voice our opinions. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll tell you what's really interesting, and as you've been been speaking, would you say that being polite, as as we say, being polite Polite. and aggressive, (laughs) (laughs) it dates back, doesn't it, historically to when people were not allowed to speak language and when, you know, with the stolen generation and with all the brutal history of um, First Nations people. And it it goes back to all then, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's about compliance. It's about control. And, and, you know, um, if you look at any uh, simulation or segregation policy, for example, it, it was around control. It was around controlling every aspect of you know, of our people's lives every day. And it certainly was. And it's like, if we don't want you to speak up, you can't use your language. You can't use your dance. You can't use your art. You know, that was that was a form of control. And, you know, that control still exists in the fact that, you know, governments have failed to be inclusive or, you know, with self-determination. When we talk about self-determination, it's, it's about you know, us leading the discussion about what's impacting on us. And yet, you know, the government quite often introduces things or does stuff and doesn't involve us. And when it goes upside down, um, you know, then then they sort of come back and, you know, sometimes want a discussion. The good old Gabba, eh? Mm-hmm. Leanne, it's been great to have you on the show and I'm just really glad that you were able to talk a little bit about the history as well yep. of, of Australia Day because that's that's really important. Now, before you go, just so that um, we can get a, an accurate setting of what land you're from, could you just tell us what land you're from? I did introduce it at the beginning. Bradry I'm not sure my pronunciation is that good. Bradry and Nunga and say I'm standing on Wiradjuri land. Wiradjuri land, that's it? Yes, yes. Leanne, thank you so much for coming on the program. Do you have any final comments that you want to make before we finish? No, this, I suppose I say no, but then, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I would encourage, um, obviously, all our mob um, to look after one another during this time. We know how difficult it is. And, you know, for anyone out there that does want to, you know, support us in changing the date and, you know, all of these really important things that we've discussed today, um, I'd certain, certainly encourage you to do that. Um, you know, there has been discussions about people jumping on and being allies and then us not seeing them, people, or hearing their voices or, you know, as I said, amplify amplify our voices and don't, don't assume we're angry. Um, assume that we're passionate and we're not going to go away, um, but don't undermine, you know, the value of what we have to say as well. Being angry is okay, though. It doesn't it mean we're okay going to kill in some circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Leanne. Um, thank you so much. And also just one final thing, you know, um, very quickly, is that, you know, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and the thing that mm. I've talked about on this show is the fact that, you know, it's been so under-resourced as far as vaccinations are concerned for Aboriginal people in particular. Yeah, it has. Look, and I think, I think you know, at the moment, um, you know, both in the situation of people wanting to look after community and things like that, you know, I, I think it's been very difficult just with PCR and rat tests and everything else. But um, it is my understanding that if you are in regional areas, that some of the co-ops have been provided some um, testing, uh, rat tests and things like that for community members. Um, however, you know, we're obviously hoping that, um, you know, that, also spreads out to a lot of other areas as well. But it's about keeping everyone safe as well because, as we know, you know, we do have the Invasion Day Dawn service, which streamed online. Um, however, you know, um, the you know, and we had to, this year, Valve had to do their Invasion Day uh, by um, webinar. And, you know, that was well attended by about over 400 people or something, which was fantastic. Um, however, it's about keeping people safe and things like that at the moment and, you know, just not placing one another um, at risk and looking after one another. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Leanne. It was lovely to have you. No worries. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Oh, typical of a man in the Western system. Like, hello. You know, all stories may, may be important, but at the end of the day, Invasion Day, you can't compare that to the First Fleet because Invasion Day was the start of the dispossession, murder, massacres and the total annihilation of some people on a continent that had existed since time memorial. So Scott Morrison, if he really wants to leave this country, he needs to shut his mouth in regards to those comments and really understand that Australia Day cannot be celebrated. It is a day of mourning for our people and they would not celebrate the Holocaust. You know, so I don't understand how that is any different than what our people went through because the genocide continues today. Like, Scott Morrison really needs to take a step back and listen to the voices on the ground because he's really ignorant in my view. You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR, 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au. Community Radio Doing Time Show, 855 AM on the dial. We're nearing the end of our broadcast in regards to highlighting very strong First Nations women talking about Invasion Day. And that was a very, very appropriate announcement um, in regards to Scott Morrison, um, the good, wonderful Marianne McKay, who has from WA, who, Noongar woman and fantastic activist, who has appeared on our show many, many times. It's approximately 4.57 and we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band. And it's goodbye from Marissa. Stay strong and stay safe and take care of each other. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.